person physically is born at a point in time. Uh, We are born again spiritually by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, trusting Him and Him alone for our soul's salvation. And if you're here today and you've had that moment in your life where you have trusted Christ as your Savior, you've been born again. Now, when you were born again into the family of God, God is your heavenly Father, but it's important for us to understand as we continue our study today that, that other people who have been born again, who have God as their heavenly Father as well, have just become your spiritual family, your brothers and sisters in the faith. And so we engage in a relationship with God through faith and that which Jesus has done. But then we have to understand once we've been saved of our sins and saved to a relationship with God that we then have been born into a family of faith. And, and it is important that we communicate one with another. Not unlike our our physical families, our spiritual families require communication. It's absolutely vital. If we have no communication or poor communication, our relationships will suffer. Now, this is kind of a primary thought for where we're going to go today. I want you to understand this truth. It applies to me. It applies to you. If we have no communication or poor communication, our relationships will suffer. Now, that's true within the context of a church family. That's true in the context of a marriage with children in a work setting. We have to learn how to communicate. Sometimes we have times where we think we're communicating, but the other person's not receiving what we think we're conveying. Maybe you've had a time like that where you've, you've tried to share your heart, but it wasn't clearly understood. Sometimes we speak, we think we're clear, we're not. I heard a story this week, and I don't know if it's true or not, I hope it's not, but it was a story of a, of a couple years and years ago who decided they wanted to travel what was called at the time the Orient, and they wanted to see these, these countries. And so this wealthy British family went, and they took their poodle with them. And the story said one night they went out to dinner, and they took their poodle along hoping to find a meal that, that their poodle could have as well. So they were going to eat dinner, and they wanted their poodle to get something to eat. And, and as they went, they uh, saw the waiter not speaking English. They, they kind of pointed to the poodle and made the international symbol for eating, you know, and just hoping that they could throw something together. And about 30 minutes later, the waiter came back with the poodle on a platter. Okay, so they thought, that didn't go over in the early service either, but I was going to say it again anyhow. I find it very humorous, but I, I don't think that really happened, okay? But we all have those times in our lives where we think we're being very, very clear. How could this be misunderstood? And and yet it's misunderstood. Then there are those who think that a conversation is really a monologue in the presence of witnesses. That's the kind of a person that their idea of communication is you're going to be really, really quiet and you're going to listen to what I have to say. And, and they're really only interested in that part of it. Whether it's in your family or in a church or in a work setting, communication is so important. Knowing that you are engaging others in the give and in the take of conversation is a key to closeness. It's a prerequisite for growth. And if we have poor communication skills, it's going to limit the closeness we can enjoy in any relationship in our life. And so that's why I'm very excited about what we're going to study today. Because if we'll learn from what it is that the Word of God has for us, it can help us in every area of our lives. And uh, I'd like to invite you, if you're able this morning, to join me in standing, please, as uh, we look to the text together in Ephesians 4. We'll read through this. The book of Ephesians is Uh, A book that was written to a church in a place called Ephesus. That's where the name Ephesians comes from. It was it was written by the inspiration of God, but it was written by way of a man we know as the Apostle Paul. And so he wrote this book to a church 
And in the midst of this book, he talks to them about communication. So let's begin reading in Ephesians 4 and verse 25. He says this, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. It's interesting, in the Bible would say be angry but don't sin. We'll talk about that in a moment. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good. That he may have to give to him that needeth. I'm going to read on, but it's interesting to me the way the Bible speaks of those who, who labor. They're rewarded from their labor. And the Bible says that a motivation in our labor is that we can be able also to help others. Did you know that God, in all of the many blessings He gives us, He's never one time intended for us to be the dead end on a blessing that we receive from Him? God always blesses us, yes, to meet a need in our lives, but more than that, so that through our lives the needs of others can, can be met as well. God gives to us always so that we can have the capacity to help others, and that's a great thought. Verse 29, the Bible says this, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another. I'm going to finish that verse, but... I love the way the Apostle Paul just kind of tagged it on. It seems like an, oh, by the way, uh, don't do any of the things we just talked about, but here's, here's what it is you need to do. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. This is a great passage of Scripture. And it's interesting, if you were to boil this Scripture passage down to one word, just one word. I think you'd have to boil it all the way down to verse 29. And near the beginning of verse 29, I think the one word that serves as the central thought for, for this discussion, it, it's the word communication. Let no corrupt communication. And we can all be helped in this area. And if we're helped in this area, we can help others as well. And so let's ask the Lord to help us in our, in our study today. Our Father, we're very thankful for the time that you put into recording your words for us and that you dealt with this matter of communication. Help us to learn today. May we grow. Uh, I pray that we would leave this service a little better than how we walked in. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The Apostle Paul was a man who loved God and he really loved people. The Apostle Paul was a man that had a lot of gifts and skills in his life. He was good at a lot of different things, but I think his primary gift in life was communication. Paul was all the time teaching and preaching and writing, and he had a message in his heart, and he wanted to get it out. And the Apostle Paul, who teaches us here about communication, he was a great communicator himself. In fact, there was one occasion in his life where Paul was in Athens. He had just finished a very busy season of ministry, and he was there waiting for a ministry team to come join him 
so the work could continue. Here he is in Athens. He doesn't know a single person. And this is a great time to rest. But while in Athens, the Bible tells a story. And I want us to think of what it is the Bible says. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. The rest of the text goes on to tell us that Paul then began to teach and preach and and do the other things. Here he is in a moment of time where he can be resting, he can be recovering, but his spirit was stirred. There was something in him that said, I've just got to get this message that God has given me out. I've got to be involved in communication. There were times in Paul's life where because of his communication, because it went contrary to the philosophies of the governments of the day, where the Apostle Paul was placed in prison. And while in prison, guess what he did? He communicated. He wrote. In fact, much of what we call the New Testament was written by the hand of the Apostle Paul while he was in a jail cell. Even the book of Ephesians that we're studying today, Paul wrote while he was incarcerated. As he comes to this book of Ephesians and deals with the topic of communication, he he begins by helping us to understand his audience a little better. If we were to go back to the beginning of the book of Ephesians, in chapter 1 and verse 1, we would find that the Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus. Now, I want you to get this. The Bible says, to the saints which are at Ephesus. Years ago, there was a preacher that I like to listen to. I like to read his books. His name is J. Vernon McGee. He said, in all of the world, there's only two kinds of people. He said, the saints and the ain'ts, all right? Now, I don't think he was trying to be derogatory, but, but by saints, the Bible's referring to people of faith. We think of saints, we think of a statue or something like that. If you're here today and you're a Christian, you'd be included in that number. So in the church of Ephesus, there were believers. You have to be a a believer to truly be united with the body of Christ, the church. So the saints, which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Who was Paul writing to? Christians who were in a church. In fact, they were going to be in a church on the day the letter was read that Paul wrote. These were the faithful in Christ Jesus. These were good people, but they were just people like us. And they never were going to outgrow the occasion in their life for a need to have a reminder of how to communicate. This topic we're covering today, it's relevant for me. I need this topic. And you need this topic. I have no doubt that in this room are many people who do know the Lord and love the Lord and and are a great audience just as the audience that Paul was addressing was a great audience. But this is a message we all need to get a hold of. We all need instruction from time to time on communication. Now, that kind of encourages me to know that these were people that were good folks. They loved the Lord, but they needed help and and they could be helped. I I think some of you like me could, could understand that Help when it comes to communication is something I need sometimes. Sometimes we can think we're doing our best and we can miss the target altogether. I was sharing with some of our men recently that uh, after Lisa and I had a few days away after the holidays, we came back and and, uh, we got back in our regular routine. The church office closes one day a week and that's on Wednesday. And as we came to that first Wednesday that was a day off, Lisa said to me, she said, what do you want to do today? And just the way she said it, her tone I knew I was supposed to know the answer to that question, okay? It was a loaded question. Man, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You know, you, you get one of those questions, and it's like, I'm fixing to be in trouble here, you know? And, and it wasn't A, B, C, or D, or all of the above, or whatever. It was, what do you want to do today? And uh, I just, I wasn't, I didn't know what she was getting at, but I knew she was getting at something. And uh, apparently, uh, when we were away after the holidays, and, and we were talking, in one of our conversations, the topic of how messy our garage came up, 
And apparently I made a comment that said, you know, the first day I get when I get home, I'm going to clean the garage. And I'm glad to tell you that today at this moment, our garage is just a picture of organization. But here we were at that moment and she'd said something. Apparently I had heard it, but, but the communication wasn't as good as it could have been. Listen, we all can use help when it comes to communication. It'll help us as a church. It'll help us in our homes. It'll help us in our workplace. And as Paul begins to help this group improve their communication, we see, first of all, and you'll find this in your outlines, our communication is to be contributing. Contributing. Now, as Paul talks about this matter of communication, it's interesting to me to see where he started. Look where Paul started as he, as he addresses this topic. He says, wherefore, putting away lying. The very first place that Paul addressed when he dealt with the topic of communication is this matter of putting away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. Putting away lying. It's interesting. Paul was speaking to the church. You kind of get the point that everybody, even church-going people, have occasions where we are prone to say things that aren't true. I think it's important to understand why a person would lie. I'm going to tell you today why I would lie, okay? And it's the same reason you would lie. There's only two reasons why people lie. First of all, we lie to get out of trouble, okay? That's a convenient time to lie. If we can say something that's not true, but it gets us out of, out of a jam, we're, we're considering maybe that'd be a good way to go. So we lie to get out of trouble. Number two, we lie to get ahead, to get some kind of an advantage. And that's why people lie. We, we shade the truth. We say things that are not so. And I want you to know today that when we lie in a relationship, whether it's at church or at home or at work, it does great damage. And in the context of the church, Paul went on to say, put away lying. Why? For we are members one of another. And Paul was writing to a church family. And today I'm, I'm teaching a church family. I want you to know that when we're dishonest in our communication, we're not only ripping off the listener, the person on the recipient end, we're ripping off ourselves when we're dishonest because we're members one of another. And if we're defrauding somebody to get out of an area that needs confronted, or if we're defrauding someone in our speech to somehow gain an unfair advantage, we're not gaining anything because we're all connected. We're members one of another. In verse 28, the Bible addresses this even deeper. It says this, let him that stole steal no more. Now, how many of you would agree with me today that stealing is probably not a good thing to do? Okay, general agreement. Seven of you. Great. The rest of you. I, I know what I'm preaching on next week now. Okay, but I, I think we'd all say, well, stealing yeah, stealing's bad. And, and I got to looking at that. Why in a text that really centrals uh, on this theme, centers on this theme of communication, why would we talk about stealing? And as I studied that word, I found that one of the primary definitions of the specific word is used in this place in Scripture is extortion. And I began to study that and consider that. What is extortion? Well, it's, it's kind of the, the uh, verbal equivalent of sleight of hand. It's tricking people with your speech. It's, it's maybe not kicking down the door and going into someone's home when they're not there and taking their things, but maybe it's saying something in a way that would give people an impression to allow you to take advantage of them. It's distorting the truth. Now, somebody would say, Pastor, I can't believe you're talking about lying right here in church as though some of us would do it. And, and friends, what I'm saying is sometimes we have a tendency to say things to try to get out of a, a tight spot or to gain an advantage. And I want all of us to be reminded today that a half truth is a whole lie. And that's a fact. That's just the way it is. One of the great characters in the Old Testament was a man named Abraham. Abraham was quite a man. 
he, he lived a profound life of faith. He was a great example in many ways. But Abraham was just a person. And Abraham had occasions in his life where he told lies. All right? One time in Abraham's life, he, he had a wife. She was very beautiful. And they traveled to a place, and there was a king there, and he was known by the name of Abimelech. This was a, kind of more of a title, but, but he went there, and here's what Abraham thought. He's going to see how beautiful my wife is, and he's going to kill me so that he then can take my wife. And Abraham would prefer not to have been killed at that moment, and so he came up with this idea. I'll tell him she's my sister. That sounded like a great idea to him. And there was a technicality in there. I, I want you to find out how this comes out in Scripture. Genesis chapter 20, verses 10 to 12, the Bible says, And Abimelech said to Abraham, What sawest thou that thou hast done this thing? And Abraham said, in other words, Abimelech found it out, and he's like, why did you do this? He said, because I thought surely the fear of God's not in this place, and they will slay me for my wife's sake. And yet, indeed, she is my sister. Well, kind of, he clarifies. She's the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And, and, and then she became my wife. You see what Abraham did there? He justified his communication. He justified this half-truth. He had a technicality. He was holding it back. Well, kind of. He, he was misleading. And I, and I want you to understand today that a, a, a whole lie consists many times of a half-truth. Abraham thought, I'll state it this way. I'll get out of trouble. I'll gain an advantage. This will be great. He was dishonest. But I want you to know that when we are dishonest, it many times creates a culture of lies around us. Abraham, we know, had a son. And guess what? Apparently, he had a beautiful wife, too. The Bible tells us one time that Abraham's son is traveling. Isaac, he enters into an area. He has this thought. They're going to kill me to get my wife because she's beautiful. Guess what his son did? The same thing the old man did. Told him, uh, she's my sister. The fact of the matter is, Abraham had a technicality, right? The son didn't. He had a half lie over here, half truth, whole lie. And we find that the son just went ahead and and said it. That was Abraham's son. Abraham had a grandson. Guess what he did? He lied about his identity. He stole his brother's inheritance. Abraham had a great-grandson. Guess what he did? He lied about selling one of his brothers into slavery. I, I want you to understand today that when we have this, have this matter of dishonesty around us, it creates a culture of lies. Lies always bring about more lies. Lying seeks to get ahead by taking trust from others. It takes trust from others to benefit ourselves. But quality communication seeks to add to the benefit of others. Quality communication contributes to relationships. One lie often leads to another that creates a situation of distrust. It creates a culture of lies. And you see, that is why Jesus in Matthew 5 and verse 37 said this. He said, when it comes to your communication, let it be Yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. In other words, Jesus was saying this. When it comes to your communication, let your word be your bond. If you say yes, let it be yes. If you say no, then let it be no. Our communication is to be like that. But the text goes on, and as we continue to learn about communication today, we see that our communication is to be controlled. It's to be controlled. We looked at verse 25, but let's move down to verse 26, where the Bible says this. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. 
Now, there are times when we may be angry at a situation, but the Bible lets us know that we're not to lose our control and anger when dealing with other people. There's a right way to be angry and there's a wrong way to be angry. And the Bible says when it comes to communication, anger is never to lead the way. In fact, the Bible says this, that we're not to let the sun go down upon our our wrath. Think of that. Any of you watch those good old time shows and you you met uh, Barney at Mayberry? Any of you remember Barney? Okay. Remember he used to say, nip it in the bud? Remember he said that? Uh, He was a theologian, that Barney. That was a great gem of wisdom he gave to us. What we need to do when these times of, of conflict come in a relationship, nip it in a bud. Husbands and wives, let me help you. Look, don't go to bed upset at one another. Talk it out. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't let these things add up and add up and add up and build. And it just, it creates a huge problem. Man, the word of God, it's awesome. It's God's word. It's true. It's inspired. But it's incredibly relevant to our lives. This is a great help here. The Bible says don't don't be the kind of person that lets things fester. Nip it in the bud. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Now, I've heard people say, well, you know, I've got a short fuse. But when I blow, then it's all over with. And apparently they feel better after... After blowing, what happens sometimes when we use that cop out, and that's what it is, when we explode and then we feel better because, wow, I said it now, we feel better when we're done, but those people around us that we allegedly love, I mean, they've got shrapnel in them and they're laying there trying to recover because of our anger in communication. We explode and, and we hurt people. The Bible says in Proverbs fourteen seventeen, he that is soon angry deal with foolishly isn't that interesting i have found when i'm mad and i'm just going to give you a piece of my mind i say the dumbest things some of the biggest mistakes i've made in my life has been because i've been angry i lose control the problem comes proverbs 25 28 says he that hath no rule over his own spirits like a city that's broken down and without walls friends let me explain to you why anger is such a huge problem when it comes to our communication especially in the life of a believer when you are angry what you are basically saying if you're a christian and you're angry you're telling the holy spirit of god that that is in you you get out of my way for a minute i'm taking it from here We cease to allow him to have a control and influence in our lives, and we take the control. And when we have control, we're out of control. It's so dangerous when anger comes in. That's why the Bible says in verse 27, give no place to the devil. That's why in verse 30, the Bible says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. That's why in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, the Bible says, quench not the Spirit. Now, we all have really good reasons when we get angry, you know. I've got some great reasons. They just know how to push my buttons, you know. Uh, That's one. Some people say, you know, I get angry because I'm Irish. I don't know why the Irish people get blamed with anger, you know. Uh, I've heard this one before. Well, I have red hair. That's why I get angry, you know. I don't know what hair color has to do with with that. But we all can kind of justify our anger. But listen, the Bible makes it clear. That's no way to go. That's no way to communicate. Proverbs 22, 24 says this. Make no friendship with an angry man. Now, I want you to understand this. I think there is a difference between an angry man and a man who's angry. Can I get a witness? (laughs) What are you talking about? I think every human being's had an occasion when they've been angry. All right? I think we've all had times where, man, I'm sorry, I regretted that, I didn't want to say that. and We've all had those moments when a person's been angry. An angry person is that person who just, they're habitually upset and angry, 
And listen, I'm sure whether you've consciously done this or not, you'd probably agree. I've, I've consciously made this decision in my life. When I get around people that are caustic and angry like that, I don't, I don't want a friendship with them. Because in time, I know it's going to be turned to me. And, and I get around angry people, it's, it's not peaceful, right? There's a war going on. It's not angry. And, and the Bible tells us, make no friendship with an angry man. And with a furious man, thou shalt not go. Out of control communication leads to a shutdown in communication. Our communication is to be controlled. And the Bible continues here to share with us, our communication is to be constructive. Constructive. You see, the flip side of corrosive anger in communication is constructive care. Now, I want you to consider how the Bible moves on here, all right? Let no corrupt communication. I'm going to read on, but I love the thought that let. It gives the sense that we have a decisive control here in our speech. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good, which is good to the use of edifying. Now, this is a great statement. What is God telling us here? He's saying, look, don't let anything come out of your mouth that's not good to the use of edifying. What's edifying? Building up. Encouraging. Our communication is to be constructive. This is the truth God wants us to understand. I love that expression. That means we're to build people up around us. I don't, I don't know about you, but the thought that I could say something to my wife that would build her up, that's a great thought for me. I want to say things that are going to build her up. I love my children. I want them to have a bright future. And I know a big part of their future is going to be based on the foundation that is established at home. My children happen to be daughters. And in a special way, their relationship with a father is exceedingly important. Exceedingly. And so I want to say those things that are going to be beneficial to them. I want to build them up. I'll tell you this, as a pastor, I do my very best. And I fail routinely, but I'm trying when I'm up here week after week. I want to say things that are beneficial, that are going to build you up. I'm trying today to help your marriage. I'm trying to help you at work. I'm trying to help our church family. I want to have a constructive communication. I read a story recently that it touched my heart. And... uh, I just want to share some of it with you today. It's more detailed than I'll share, but it was a story about a boy by the name of Ted Stollard. Teddy Stollard's what they called him in elementary school. He was sloppy in his appearance, and they said he was unattractive and not particularly sharp. At the end of his first grade year, his teacher wrote of Teddy, Ted shows promise with his work and attitude, but has a poor home situation. That was the end of his first grade year. In second grade, it was written, Ted could do better. Mother seriously ill. He receives little help from home. The third grade record read this way, Ted is a good boy, but too serious. He's a slow learner. His mother died this year. His fourth grade teacher said this, Ted is very slow, but well behaved. His father shows no interest in him whatsoever. What a sad statement. His father shows no interest in him whatsoever. And then fifth grade rolled around, and that brought Miss Thompson. And she took an interest in Teddy. And his life began to change. The story's told of Christmas time, and all the students brought Miss Thompson a gift, and they were beautifully wrapped, gifts bought in a store. And, and she would open them up, and everyone would look. And, and when it was Teddy's time to give a gift to Miss Thompson, he walked up there, and he had a, an old wrinkled brown paper bag he got from a grocery store. And all the children laughed at the fact his gift wasn't wrapped very nice. She opened the bag and looked inside, and she pulled out a half-used bottle of cheap perfume. And again, the children laughed. They could tell it was half-used, you know. 
And Miss Thompson, being a wise teacher, she, she sprayed some of that perfume and said how nice it smelled, you know. In the next break, that little boy ran up to his teacher and he said, you smell now just like my mom used to smell. Well, she got on a knee and gave that boy a hug. And, and you know, when the next day of school rolled around, Teddy was a different student. Something happened that day. And as good of a teacher as Miss Thompson was, she went from good to great that day. She began to understand in a deeper way this role I have of being a teacher, it's huge. Their lives were changed. Teddy began to change. Four years later, excuse me, some years later, a letter came. And the letter said this, Dear Miss Thompson, I wanted you to be the first to know I will be graduating second in my class. Love, Ted. Four years after that letter, another letter came, and it contained these words. Dear Miss Thompson, they told me I will be graduating first in my class. I wanted you to be the first to know. University has not been easy, but I liked it. Love, Ted. Another four years passed. Dear Miss Thompson, as of today, I'm Theodore Stollard, M.D. How about that? I wanted you to be the first to know. I'm getting married next month, the 27th to be exact. I want you to come and sit where my mother would sit if she were alive. You're the only family I have now. Dad died last year. Love, Ted. Well, Miss Thompson did attend that wedding, and she did sit where Ted's mother would have sat. Her compassionate communication built up the life of a boy so that he could grow into a fine young man. What a thought. The great pastor Lee Robertson one time said that compassion is your hurt in my heart. Did you know the way we communicate, God has given us the capacity to enter into somebody's life who's under a burden? And just by the words we say, we can take some of that burden off their shoulders? I love the thought that God has allowed us in families, and yes, in the family of faith, to encounter one another in such a way. And many times, we're not intentionally hurtful. I mean, if I were to ask, how many of you husbands today, you say what you say because you just want to be hurtful, I, we'd say, no, I don't want to do that. And the things we say to our children, we would not intentionally be hurtful, but sometimes we're not as thoughtful as we should be. And the unintended consequence of our communication is we hurt people. I heard a story of a little girl this week, and she found her mom and said, Mom, my stomach just hurts. And, and the mom told the daughter, Honey, it's because you're hungry, probably. There's nothing in there. And, and uh, so she ate, and uh, she did. She felt better, and she really was thinking on that. And that afternoon, her dad got home from work, and, and uh, she overheard her dad tell her mom that his head hurt. And he said, well, she said, Dad, it's because there's nothing in your head. You know, if you put something in there, you'd feel better. I don't think she was intentionally trying to slam her father, but she did a pretty good job at it. And sometimes we do that. A little bit hasty to just say something that doesn't need to be said. Or sometimes we entertain the thought of that which needs to be said and we hold it back. Sometimes we say it, but the tone is not right. And yeah, there's a lot of work when it comes to communication. But look at the good that can come when it is done the right way. 1 Corinthians 15, tells us, Be not deceived, evil communications corrupts good manners. As we finish our study this morning, I want us to see finally that our communication is to be Christ-like. Now, as we look to verses 31 and 32, it's, it's pretty amazing. Now, I want you to listen to what happens in these verses as we look together, okay? Let all bitterness, now bitterness is bad, all right? Bitterness, it, it, it poisons the vessel in which it's contained, right? 
bitterness. Let all bitterness and wrath, bad, and anger, bad, and clamor, and evil speaking be put away. All this bad stuff, put it away. Get rid of it. It has no place in quality communication. Be put away from you with all malice. And then the Bible goes on to tell us this. And be ye kind one to another. I love it. Here, let me help you out when it comes to communication. The Bible says, put all that bad stuff away and just be nice. Be kind one to another. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another. You know, as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. I love those words. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another. Sir, let me share with you what it is your wife needs in good communication. A husband who has enough sense to be tender-hearted, sensitive. Let me tell you what it is our children need. They need parents who can understand what it is that's being said and, and not so hasty to say what's on their mind, but to listen, not to be so hasty to interject the day they've had onto their child, but to understand what it is their child's been going through. Tender-hearted, sensitive, and forgiving. I wonder how many relationships in this room today could be restored if someone would see the need and take the lead to say, I'm sorry, or to say, I forgive you. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. I love those words, tenderhearted, forgiving. You see, not one of us were deserving of Christ's love. But we receive it freely nonetheless. How many of you are glad with me today that God loves us? Well, let me tell you what the Bible in 1 John 4.11 says. Be loved. And I mean, that word right there, be loved. All right? That's us. We be loved, okay? Be loved. If God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. It's just kind of a natural outgrowth of it all. You know, it's interesting, this letter, Ephesians, was written to a church, and although this is applicable across the, the board, it's interesting to me that church families are really not much different than our families at home or our relationships anywhere else. Communication is key. It's important that we choose to communicate wisely, and we're to engage. We're to engage with one another in a way that we have communication that's contributing, and it's controlled, and it's constructive, and it's Christ-like. Now, maybe, maybe you're here today. Uh, listen, I don't think for a moment that there's one of us in this room who could say, yeah, that part of God's word, it didn't need to be in the Bible. I didn't need that. I think all of us need what we heard today. And so if we let the word of God that we read sometimes, if we let it read us like a book, what, what's it going to find? And maybe it would find today that what we have inside of us when it comes to our communication is an absence of it. For a variety of reasons. I don't know, maybe you've been hurt and you've just clammed up or you, you come from a, a background where there wasn't the communication needs to be. I, I don't know why it is, and frankly, however it used to be, it doesn't have to be that way in the future, and I'm grateful for that. But, but maybe today the problem in, in communication in your life is just not enough of it. Maybe today, to be honest with you, when it comes to anger, you know that's, that's an issue. And, and you blow up from time to time, but hey, I feel a lot better after I do, but it's the shrapnel that has your family laying around afterwards that maybe is a real issue. And so maybe it's a matter of, of anger. Maybe your speech, it's not intentionally caustic like that, but it's not as thoughtful as it could be, and you're not building the people up. You're not establishing uh, the, the, the elements of relationships that will help them to be fruitful for years to come. I, I don't know what it is in your life, and I'm not being accusative today. I know what it is in my life, and, and I'm saying that whatever it is, God in His Word, as He deals with communication, He hits on all of it. There's something for all of us 
in this passage today. You know, there have been a handful of moments in my life that I can just go back to, and I can play them over like watching a movie in my mind. I can do it. I, I can go back to times in my life when it was a teacher that made a statement or a comment. And it was a definitive moment for me. I can think of a couple coaches that helped me immensely. Frankly, I can think of a couple that did the opposite. But I think of these that helped me much. I think of family and friends that took time to share a word. You see, I'm Teddy Stoller just as you are. But I miss Thompson too, as you are. Communication is so key. I wonder in all of this, what truth can you take out of here that will make you a better person when you leave today? There's one in there. Our Father, thank you for this morning and the chance we have just to open your word and, and to study and to learn and to grow. God, how, how we need